0: I'm speaking with uh, Mr. David Buckley about his newest score to the suspense thriller *Gone*, starring Amanda Seafried And uh, and David has been the nicest guy to me because back when I was starting to get the site going with you know no contacts, had never done an interview before. We did, yeah, we did the Facebook chat, and then we also did an email one for the town. But this is our first phone chat, so thanks so much.
1: Oh, no, pleasure, pleasure to uh, talk <laughs> talk man to man at last.
0: <laughs> And uh, so I know we we talked about this in our our past interview, but um, for people who who maybe missed it, or and I think you have a, a great background. So how did you get started in music, and what led you to film composing? Um. Yeah,
1: I I um. I think my first sort of exposure to, to film music was as a choir boy. I um, sang on the soundtrack to The Last Temptation of Christ, the uh, Scorsese film. Um, with uh, Peter Gabriel's support. And I think it was a bit of a, an eye-opener um, in as much as, you know, I was putting a very sort of traditional um, choir boy thing, singing church services every day. And i say it was boring, far from it, but this was <laughs> definitely, um, you know, this was a noticeably different event that happened um, in, the, in the weekly cycle. And uh, all of a sudden, here's Peter Gabriel and... And big images up on the screen that we're singing against, and um, you know, all this gear. And I, I think it just—it it did. I—I I, I wouldn't say that at that moment in time I said I wanted to be a film composer, but I do think it planted a seed, and, and it did—it did suggest to me that that there is another way that music can be used besides just being for its own benefit. There is a um, a synthesis it can make with other art forms,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then I continued uh in, in that choir we also participated in a, a piece of music it's a composer we've spoken about before a composer called richard harvey an english composer oh,
0: right of course yeah
1: and and multi-instrumentalist i mean he's he, he's he did a lot of the woodwind solos on uh, the lion king um and he wrote a, a huge piece uh, back in the back in the 80s god it seems weird to say back in the 80s um <laughs> by the end of the 80s called uh, the plague and moonflower which is a which is a big um Almost like an oratorio, it had orchestra, choir, um, electric instruments, ethnic instruments, uh, some narration, big sound and light, spectacular as well. Um, and we we were singing, we did various performances of this. And even though it was, I mean, ostensibly a classical work, right, right, it, it also, I mean, he he had a both a classical and a film background, and there were sensibilities in there which which um, uh, uh, immediately appealed to me. In fact, Richard and I have become very good friends now, and, and actually Richard's been very helpful in, in, in my career. So I think those two things, I think the, the Peter Gable and Richard Harvey experience in my, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, definitely put, put something in place, which, which I guess years later, I, I, I decided to pick up on and pursue.
0: Mm-hmm. And when did you, when did you move to Los Angeles?
1: Um, it only seems like the other day, but I was just thinking about it. I think it's about five and a half years ago now. um it was one of those things that has you know come over for a few months yeah. I think it was three months that's that's what the uh that, that's what the initial thing was and then you know five and a half years later, I'm still here <laughs> and in fact, just about to the, uh, apply apply a green card as as actually as soon as we finished about, I need to rush off to the hospital and check that I haven't got any weird. Uh, diseases, so I can qualify for a green card. So, um, <laughs> probably my fingers
0: there. <laughs> well, I, I think you will be fine, but <laughs> although 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 in LA you never know just from breathing the you air. never know <laughs> you, you never know. <laughs> um, but uh, so you're also you also work with your friend and collaborator Harry Gregson Williams. How did you how did you two meet? Well, actually, it,
1: that brings the the, the Richard uh, thing back into the equation again because um, it was actually. Harry's father, um, who had commissioned Richard to write the play, mm-hmm. Um, Harry's dad, um, I think it was Richard Gregson Williams. He he was an arts promoter in England. He was involved in big big festivals, um, one of which was the Exeter Festival. Exeter's a a, a town in England, um, and he so he had put this whole idea together, and he had asked Richard to write the music, and other people to work on different components of it. And I think that's where I probably met Harry for the first time. In fact, I know it's where I met Harry for the first time. I remember he was he was actually I think he was conducting the, the, the boys' choir that was singing in that piece, and mm-hmm. um, and our paths continued to cross in those kind of circles. Richard uh, and and Harry were working together, and again, so that that was that was in my sort of earlier life. And years went by without us knowing. Even thinking about each other, but then I, I remember I I just happened to catch um, um, uh, the the film Miss Smithers Sent of Snow. I read the book and I saw it on TV.
0: Right, right. I think it's one of
1: Harry's early credits, and I I was watching through to the end, and I suddenly saw the name Harry Dixon Williams. I thought, blimey, you know, the last time I saw him was <laughs> in this little English town called Exeter, and now I'm uh, gathering that things that he may have moved on uh, a little bit, and so eventually with Richards. Involvement, we we kind of met, and came over here, just to to see what goes on in LA, and and we we met up again and got talking, and then yeah, the rest, of they say, is history.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so now now, you you just composed Gone, and you're and you're returning to the suspense uh, thriller genre, which you which you have experienced, and you recently did Joel Schumacher's uh, Trespass with Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman. And so do, yeah. you, do you find it hard to differentiate yourself doing similar genres, you know, kind of very close to, close to one another? Well, it's interesting, actually. I mean, last
1: year, I mean, G- Gone was, was a score that I finished last year, and yes, just before that was uh, Schumacher's Trespass. And then at the very beginning of the year was another thriller called ATM,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which I, which I believe is going to be released. Um, in, in maybe in a month or so, and they were all dark, noirish kind of subjects. ATM was about uh, three people trapped in a in an ATM machine, um, <laughs> and and sort of mindlessly, for no apparent reason, victimised, um, and yeah, it's a pretty you know it's a bleak landscape. It's a bleak story. That uh, mm-hmm. story, uh, trespass. Different but similar, you know, it's a, a, a Nicole Kim and Nicolas Cage in their beautiful home and um burglars come in and, and terrorise them. Um gone a, a different a different plot obviously. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's course. a it's a girl looking to her sister and, and a um person who she believes kidnapped her sister and in fact kidnapped her many years ago. But yeah, I mean they're all living in a in a dark place. Um and you know, dark is, is a you know, is somewhere that I've I have gone to and and so people seem to like me going there. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it, it's an interesting point. I mean I think we've spoken before about the the my ideal, and and to a certain extent, I've been I've been lucky here. But you know, I I'd certainly like to tip the balance a little bit more into 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 finding projects which don't just simply live in 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 a in a sort of thriller genre. I right. you know, I'm very lucky that while I've been doing these movies, I've maintained my TV show, The Good Life, um, which you know <laughs> is a is a real life you know it's a legal thing, but, but
0: yeah.
1: as, as much as anything else, it's also about love and. And, and normal normal things, so that musically, even though it's not the, the, the even though it's not a huge vehicle for me to express myself musically, it's just it's just not one of those shows. And in fact, I think one of the great things about the Good Life is that it isn't just insistent music playing right, all the right. way through. When cues come in, they, they they tend to have a purpose and not always just exactly what's on the screen. I think I think the way we spot it is actually quite interesting. But it, that does give me a little scope beyond the the um, you know the, the, the thriller genre. Um, but but. I think the challenge is, especially having done three um, of these films in a row, that the challenge always for me at, at the beginning is to think, well, how can I avoid doing exactly what I did last time? Mm-hmm. Um, and it does require sitting down and thinking, even before one actually commits to uh, here's a cue. It is it is a case of, of of trying to come up with a concept that just you know distinguishes it just so one feels a, a, a progression or that one isn't just living in the same exactly the same sonic world right, right. And I, you know and, and obviously it's it's the the job one has to do as well because the, the film requires that you set a, a musical landscape for for that particular movie so for example, with' gone um a lot of the well not a lot but yeah quite a lot of the movie is, is or at least the topic of the movie is about the forest, which is huge foreboding forest um in in portland um where jill the girl was was kept in, in captivity. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, it's a menacing, it's a amazing scenes of, of the camera going over these trees, just seemingly going on for ever and ever and ever. And that it, it does give you that sense that one person within this huge landscape is is insignificant and could potentially never be found. Right. Um so trying to set up that sort of feeling of desolation um and and despair was was, was was what i guess was one of the key first um jobs for me to find um in, in, in gone
0: and uh which which you did very well I mean, when you start off with just the piano and then i like how you just kind of introduce more layers and layers as the film i guess gets deeper and deeper into the belly of the whale and uh and and the way you use electronics too which we've discussed a little bit but um and a lot of composers use synths and electronics in their music but what for you what's their function in your music and what do they add to the score that maybe acoustic instruments don't do? Well, this score was one where I mean I, I think it's
1: one of my sort of mature electronic scores. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I was quite glad to do on this one, partly there was just there was a little bit more t- unexpected time uh, on, on this one, after I had sort of set that initial, well I should say first of all actually, the, the, the sort of remit as well as me sort of agonizing how I approach a score. This one that I was al- I was also oh God, I knew this might happen. Um that's right, I'm just gonna not answer it. <laughs> um, one of the things that um that I was told very clearly with this is that they wanted a sort of minimal approach. They didn't ever want it to get too big. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the music to overwhelm. Um it wasn't to be orchestral and even though, you know, you will hear strings in there um so there was some clear direction from that and actual fact minimal and not getting big were were things that i was constantly reminded about obviously there are a couple of chase action sequences in there where she you know driving around in a car and there's all hell breaks loose and for that you know i'd have to up the, the bpm and the volume for that otherwise mm-hmm. it sounds um, a little bit odd but it but it tends to be quite quite um quite still um but but in, with regards to sort of sounds and electronics in this, because I had this extra little bit of time, I there's a player that I've used, Harry has used him a lot, um, a, a, an electric violinist called Hugh Marsh. And he actually, he, he's Canadian, but he came down to LA to, to, to play on the score. And we actually sort of went beyond the, uh, the initial idea. Initially, he was just going to, I had written some stuff and he was going to play on the electric violin, which we did. But we also... Did, I know it sounds very pretentious, but we, <laughs> we found lots of weird kind of... For example, some of the percussion was made by just getting a, a pencil and tapping a glass mm,
2: wow. and
1: tap, like, weird kind of strummy effects on guitars and, and blowing cymbals and things like that. So I mean, I've, I've got this silly little collection of, of, of found instruments and, and things that we just sort of hit and, and made rhythmic patterns. And then they went back into the box and and started messing around with them. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of the sounds in this score, more so than perhaps many of the other electronic scores I've done, the, the sound sources are largely, I'd say probably seventy percent, largely organic things that right. were recorded, um, and then sort of processed, mangled, distorted, um, and and you know, and some and some overtly more synthetic sounds added added with it. But. Um, you know, for example, I mean, a, 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 the the piano theme itself very simple five notes, mm-hmm. but that but that is also often just twisted very slightly. Like there might be a weird little delay, or it might be reversed, or or put into a strange reverb space. So that the seemingly, I mean, it's not you know it's not the first time anyone's done this, but it was you know part of that tradition that the seemingly ordinary and and commonplace, namely a little piano motif, is somehow subverted to sometimes, you know, grotesquely, but, but often just subtly. And the, the unsubtle, uh, sorry, and the, the sub. just the very small nuances there can help, I think, give you a sense of unease, which is what we were looking for, certainly before, you know, before we get into the meat of the film, when we're actually just trying to show her a sense of anxiety um, and the fact that everything and everyone is, is, is has an element of suspicion, that that just... Little turn of the screw on a sound, hopefully mm-hmm. gives gives that unease and and um, an unrest that the filmmakers were looking for,
0: which which you do very well because I I, what I love about Gone is that you have all these kind of layers and stuff working, but yeah, you're you're right. It does sound organic. It doesn't sound processed. It doesn't sound kind of jumbled together. And you can like kind of distinct. You can distinctly pick out every little sound. So it feels like it's each each their own individual so you never get i guess it's not a loud score but it's it does pack some little you know punches every now and then but it doesn't feel yeah that's overwhelming that's a, that's a, right right there are some little spikes you know there are i mean there are some shocks i mean you know without wanting to give the story away there are moments
1: where it's you know we, we're, we're living in this sort of like just holding the space and then all of a sudden romp yeah and we're we're, we're, we're we're hitting something and that's i mean there's a, there's a good dramatic reason for that um <clears throat> But but also you know I, 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 there's I also wanted to try and portray and I I think I, I do to a certain extent in the first track and also I think the track's called Evidence quite near the end maybe track ten wanted to also give some sense of the it, it's the one where there's a sort of violin ostinato going in there mm-hmm. um, and and the strings are quite prominent in that I wanted to give some sense also of, of the lush verdant quality of the forest that that she's in um, and that you know and that also is a that is an organic world. It's it's a world devoid of, of electricity and, and, you know, it is all green trees and rivers and it's quite desolate and bleak, but it also has a has a sort of organic beauty as well. So in a couple of tracks, I wanted to minimize anything that was overtly electronic, just so you... But obviously, I, I couldn't suddenly go into full symphonic realm because it would have sounded weird. It would have been very jarring. But yeah, yeah. certainly calming down some of the, the distorted elements and, and letting us um you know swim within this organic
0: fabric and uh so yeah you you talked about not wanting to do too much with the music and not overdoing it so what's the what's the secret to building suspense with music which has been done you know just you know Bernard Herrmann and and uh the Hitchcock films and and uh how do you know what's too much and when do you know to pull back so you're not overdoing it
1: well, I had a producer who made that very clear, so mm. that was <laughs> that was easy. Um, too much, too much. Um, it's. Um, it, I mean, I think you grow you grow with the movie, and you 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 know, as you're writing, you, it, it is a case, especially in a school like this, where it's not okay. There is one theme, right? Um, you know, so it's not like it's not a, a complex thing where you've got. You know, like an animation, for example, where you may have each character's got their own clearly identified thing. I've just been watching the Raiders of the uh, say the Indiana Jones films for the last few days, just just to remind myself how great they are. And mm-hmm. you know, you, it's so clear here. You know, here comes a character. Here's a theme. Here, here's this. But this is this is monothematic. There's no doubt about it. And it's a school theme. Um, and so I guess the idea is that that. How can you use some, how can you use simplicity to create? I guess the question is how can, how can something that um, so it, it, in its sort of primary form, simplicity. How can that create tension? Right. I think that it is. So a score like this is about textures more so than than you know developing a theme in some kind of Beethoven manner or you know like Marlowe. It's more it's more how can. There's only so many. There's only so many things you can do with those five notes. I mean, I turn them upside down a few times. I sustain them. I fragment them. But then it's. I think it is very much about texture, and what what rubs against it, um, and and and. It, I just think it was a case of experimentation of how can one, given the fact that it. This isn't ever. There's no brass section that's going to enter here. You know, it's always there's a dynamic level that that I know I'm not going to go above. So. Experimenting, how can I find the unease um, and and the tension-providing things without going to that big place? I, I'm not quite sure I can articulate an answer as to exactly how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I don't think I think I've just waffled actually for
2: the last two
0: minutes. <laughs> but I know I, I definitely know it was a sense of of trial and error. Well, it's it. And also, there has to be. A hu- also, I think there's a human element to it. You have to feel it. So,
1: and you have to feel it, yeah, yeah. You have to, you, have, you, and also you probably have to go too far as well. You have to take it to, you know, there are some cues that if I were to play you earlier versions of it, you'd hear a much, uh, a sort of bigger and and more and more oppressive sound. And 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 perhaps in isolation it, it's right, but I think you know, obviously, in the decision in, in in the, not to say it's right, but it could work. Just you know, here's this minute of the film, and I've gone for a slightly bigger. And further reaching, uh, sonic. Mm-hmm. Well, but in in the context of the whole movie, it, it, I, I I'm pretty sure we settled in a place that that makes sense. You know, there's a long stretch in the in the final reel of the movie where where she's driving towards uh, a supposed kidnapper. And it's it's actually, a, I didn't present it as that way in the album. It's a 10 minute cue mm-hmm. of of um, she's she's talking all the way. So it's music has to be you know, it's, I can't crushed the dialogue i've got to i've got to be supporting it right, right. but i've also got to just But she is driving further and further into this dark forest and um i, I did some of it on the cd this i guess the way i do it is bringing in these extra layers so these little pulses and then another pulse will come in and just create a little counterpoint up against the previous one then another one and then that will fade away and something else so it's just this ever-evolving shifting thing that i guess you know to some people's ears. some some people may just say, "Well, that's a drone, isn't it? That's just a drone." Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, I would like to say, "Well, no, actually, it is an evolving landscape, musical landscape, and the evolution of that landscape, albeit subtle, is supposed to correlate with her descent into into what's potentially, you know, death for her." Um, so, it's trying to do it's
0: trying to do potentially big things, but in a small way. Right, and. Well, another thing I, uh, that I loved about the, the album is that tr- like you do have a lot of long tracks, you know, four or five minute tracks, which really allow the music to kind of wash over the listener and wash over the audience. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of a lot of short track albums because they just feel very jumpy and disconnected. So I, the, the whole album, the way you presented it in the album was uh, very good.
1: Ah oh, well, no, I, was, I was, I'm glad, glad that you say that. Thank you. And and uh, but actually, you know, some. I think the way I wanted to organize when I was actually writing the cues for the film, it was to keep. I preferred to write longer cues than shorter cues. I mean, there's some places where there was, you know, a five-second uh, sting. There's right, not much right. I can right. do about that. Nor do I represent that in the album because I, I don't think anyone needs to hear that as a, <laughs> as a track. But um, I, I certainly for me and and as a rule of thumb, I like to 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 take on longer tracks and short cues, um, just because it gives me a sense that to, to, you know it's easier to find a place, a structure, and a place to grow and, and then subside, and, and it just it just feels a little bit more graceful, especially in a, a score like this. Again, I say that it is about texture, and it is about letting something wash over you. I mean, I think you have to be in a certain mood to, to want to listen to, to to scores like this because they're yeah. <laughs> they're not they are not Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, they are it's, it's a different sensibility. So it is a sort of late night couple of glasses of wine um, and letting these, these, these sound worlds wash over you. Um, and therefore, I think, you know, if they're short and abrupt, it's going gonna, it's gonna to piss you off quite soon. So <laughs> it definitely was a, a, a determined um, a, a, a part of me to, to make sure that these were as, as long as they, as they should be, and, you know, hopefully not too long, but long enough to feel that, that there is some kind of structure and
0: familiarity. Right. And which, I mean... The whole experience, I enjoyed it so much, and it just, you know, it felt your style. It felt, uh, and it just wasn't a cliched, you know, one of those things where I'm like, oh, come on, come on. So I I really did enjoy it, and um, oh, good. And uh, so, just to wrap things up, uh, uh, back back on our first interview, I asked you if you could if you could score any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, <laughs> you said, you said English patient. So I just wanted to make I sure. Did. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure if, uh, that's still your answer. If you'd, if you'd pick another film.
1: Ah, uh-huh. wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. The English patient. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, again, I, I would never, you know, uh, it would be so, um, arrogant of me to even suggest I could get anywhere near the brilliance of, of, the inflation, or, or, or for perhaps my other suggestion, just, just, just out of, you know, it would just be a curiosity. Right. Obviously, right. The, the, the artist, which I, I don't know if you've seen that movie. I
0: actually have not seen it yet, but I do want to. Oh,
1: right. I, I really loved it. I mean, you know, I, I think there's some great, great films out this year for, um, for the whole award season. And I, I really enjoyed a number of them, but obviously to, 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 in this day and age the score of silent movie is, is a rarity and I think I don't know much about the guy, um Ludovic Bors. Ludovic Bors, yeah.
0: Name? The score is yeah, really yeah, really good, yeah. It's a great score and you know, and also like, the guy's got nowhere to hide. I mean that's it's him.
1: He is the sound of that movie. And right. and I, I thought it was splendid, you know, really fun, proper orchestration, you know, great 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 music and like I say, I I, I don't know what I, what I would. I'd just be curious, even to say that maybe maybe one day when I have a break, I'll put the film up and just see what just try and write the first cue and see what I come up with. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but I yeah, only out of a sort of uh, uh, a sort of academic interest that here's here's a silent movie and, right. and the notion of uh, um, so maybe. But I I mean that the English patients still holds a... Very fond place in my heart, and, and the score I still think is immense, is um, and probably yet another reason why I shouldn't ever even think about touching it.
0: <laughs> no, just it's a no. I just, it's a, I just think it's a. I just think it's a very interesting question for composers. It's a very
1: interesting question. I I must research what some of your other interviewees have, have answered in that respect. I, no, it's, and it's yeah,
0: and nobody has. I, I keep every time I I tell people that they, no one has repeated an answer, which is great too because everyone's like oh you know i'd love to try this i'd love to to do that and you know right right well it is because you
1: do feel like you're, you're treading on on sort of sacred ground but, that that having gone through the process of writing a score you do know that the uh the pain and anguish involved and 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 you know i, I imagine everyone would I, I'd be interested to interested how many people have given you an answer where they thought, "My God, you know, well the reason I wanted this because that composer screwed it up so much." <laughs> but I, I, I imagine it more often than not, it's someone who's the answers tend to be people who liked the original so much, and right, 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 just out of and just out of curiosity, wondered what they do rather than saying, "God, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fix the mess that they did the first time around." Yeah,
0: no, that's that the point of the question.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I guess I wonder would you know with the with a the, the world which a film world which is dominated with sequels and remakes. I wonder if we will ever see the idea of, of old, you know, movies from thirty, forty years ago being re scored with different sensibilities. I mean mm-hmm. it would be an interesting an interesting I guess just give, you know, sixty years ago who was using well I I, 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 I don't know the exact dates of, of film music history, but I you know, at some point Electronica played no part in films. So it would be interesting to to look back at a, a film well, I say interesting, and I'm sure many people would say this is absolutely sacrilegious, but it would be interesting to, to see how a film that had a, you know, a symphonic score would work with a slightly different guy. So it's not necessarily electronic, maybe it's vocal or maybe it's ethnic, but just given that there are more options available to him. Yeah, today, yeah, definitely. And... It's almost like, what would what would J.S. Parks say if he knew that there was a synthesizer? A lot of people speculate he probably would have loved it, and he would have messed around with it, and... And I don't know. To, I think of, we we often sort of shoot down the advancements in in technology and music, and, and say that they're somehow impoverished and, and not as good um, as the sort of classical way. But I, I think more interestingly, it would be let's embrace everything we've got. I think that's one of the joys of film music that it you know someone who comes from a pop background, someone who comes from a classical background, an ethnic music background, sound design you can they're all thrown into a pot, and and, and great things can come of it. So it does strike me that the experimentation, albeit just on a just a, a whim, you know, oh, I wonder how this would work. Right, right, yeah. It, 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 it might it might show some interesting results, or not. Maybe it it will prove <laughs> that things are just fine as they are.
0: Well, I was I was watching an interview with Martin Scorsese, and he was talking about Hugo and how he was working with three D, and he was like. He was sitting next to James Cameron, so I felt like I was almost like a puppet master with with strings talking about three D. But and there he's like uh, he and he says, imagine, imagine Citizen Kane in three D. And he's saying, I'm not saying do it, but just imagine it. So it was just, right, yeah.
1: right, right. Yeah, often just the, the thought of these things, just the conceptual idea, is it can 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 throw your brain into all sorts of funny places and yeah. and, 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 and hopefully sort of creative and and not and not stifled by tradition as well.
0: Right. Um, um, well, that's all I have for you now, David. Thank you so much. It great. Was, it was oh, good pleasure again.
1: Absolutely, as always. Thank you very much.
0: And um, uh, I'm sure I'm, we'll talk again soon. Oh, very. Soon. I don't
1: know what. <laughs> I guess our next our next thing would have to be meeting in, in per- in, being in the same room, we've now got uh, some email to okay, yeah. telephone, so <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> that'll be the next
0: <laughs> logical step. <laughs> all right, I'll look forward to it. Um, uh, good luck with Absolutely. with with, with Gone and uh, it's opening. What, what is it? This, not this weekend. Next weekend, right? Next weekend, yeah. Twenty-fourth. Twenty-fourth. Okay. Well, thank you so much, David. And uh, not at all pleasure. Have a great day. <laughs> thank you, Andrew. Right, care. Bye.